Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Dan Lobby, and this is our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, which means part three of the Zoom call we had with our Football Insider subscribers earlier this week. If you missed part one, that was on Wednesday, and what we talked about then was uh, how important year three is for Baker Mayfield. Then if you missed yesterday's podcast, we ranked Baker Mayfield among the AFC North quarterbacks. Today, it's all about what we're going to be saying about Baker Mayfield at the end of 2020. 20. Now, again, this was recorded off a Zoom call, so you're going to hear some references to uh, a video I did with a film session. It's nothing that you need to really worry about when you hear some references of that. Uh, that, that that's what folks are talking about. Um, but then we also take some questions from our Football Insider subscribers as we wrap this up about Baker Mayfield, about the Browns, uh, anything they wanted to talk about. So if you missed out on this because you're not a subscriber, you know, we do this stuff fairly regularly. And the other thing is Football Insider is a great service. Uh, Mary Kay, me, Scott Patsko will text you throughout the day about the Browns, our thoughts, news, analysis, what we're thinking. And we also have a newsletter that gets texted out and it's exclusive content that doesn't show up anywhere else on cleveland.com, where if it does show up, you get it first. You get it way before anybody else does. The other cool thing is you can text us back and we respond directly to you. It cuts through the clutter of social media. So if you want to check it out and get a 14-day free trial, all you have to do is go to cleveland.com browns and click on the box on the right side of the page. And that is $3.99 per month after that trial. You can cancel it with one text. Or if you'd just rather text to sign up, Text 216-208-3965. So again, to start that 14-day free trial, all you have to do is text 216-208-3965. Okay, so here is part three of our Zoom call. It's me, Mary Kay, Scott, Douglas Maurice, and Terry Pluto talking all things Baker Mayfield and Browns. There were times last year when Baker seemed a little bit lost and his instinct was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to throw the ball down the field and, and see what happens. That's sort of his nature. He's an aggressive guy. Yeah, he pressed. I think he pressed. So, yeah, Baker pressed last year. He he did get frustrated. There were times where he just decided, I'm going to take matters into my own hands and I'm going to fling this thing. And like in that last one we just saw, uh, he's throwing that into double coverage, and, you know, and, and there was, you know, there started to be a little bit of 
talk that he's that he wasn't throwing the ball enough to Odell Beckham Jr. So I think there were times where he forced that a little bit. I think this year it's going to be schemed up differently. Uh, again, with some of the play action, that will open things up for Odell Beckham Jr. Because uh, people are going to be drawn into the run and they're going to bite on that. And it's going to open things up, you know, or, you know, or they're going to know that, hey, you can go to Austin Hooper or, you know, any of these other guys. So I don't think that you're going to necessarily, it's not going to be as easy for defenses to, to just go out there and pick off Baker Mayfield. I think that uh, Odell will be better this year, theoretically. I think that, uh, that there will be more higher percentage completions for Baker, and he won't be so frustrated throwing it all over the yard. Yeah, we yeah, agree that that any scheme that has Demetrius Harris trying to block Nick Bosa is a bad scheme. Like yeah. that, that wasn't the only time that happened during that game. I remember watching that and going back and wondering why he was one on one with him so much, but like you're right, Mary Kay, it seemed like there was a point or a stretch during the season where every game they tried to go deep to Odell and he was almost always double covered. The ball wasn't really, really on target. Um, and then in the red zone, obviously, you had all those passes to, to tight ends where the tight end wasn't maybe as open as you'd want him to be. Um, meanwhile, there was all the talk, but what about Jarvis and Odell? You know, you got these two uh, elite receivers here, and you're not throwing to them in the red zone. So some of the things seemed to be forced away from them. Some of the things seemed to be forced to them, but nothing really seemed comfortable at all when it came to Baker last year. Right. And, and I, think Damn, uh, I think it's telling for uh, Terry, I mean, I think it's telling when your offensive coordinator comes in and the first thing he says is, I want to change, I want to work on this footwork, right? Now, now he was talking about, you know, I want you to put your left foot forward in the shotgun. But when your offensive coordinator says into a microphone in a press conference that's getting streamed on the Browns website worldwide, you know, and of course all of us are sitting there listening too. He, he says, he, he talks about the footwork and, and wanting to get that footwork um, cleaned up. I, I, I think it's telling when a guy says that so publicly. Yeah, Dan, that was what I actually was thinking too. And, and those little cutouts you had showed him so often throwing off the back foot and that led to overthrows, the ball sailing high. And so hopefully, you know, they'll fix that. Why, whether he felt the rush was coming and it's almost like shooting a fall away jump shot over a taller guy, I don't know. But that was like some of those throws I mean, some of his interceptions were really bad last year. It's way overthrown. Yep. Okay. Um, I, I see, uh, John, I see, I've seen your hand has been up for a little while. I think uh, I saw Steve kind of waving at us in his video down there. So I'll keep that in mind as well. I do want to throw it open to questions. So if you've got a question about Baker, about the Browns, this is your chance because we want to start wrapping up here soon. So we're, we're going to jump ahead, though, to this, this question right here for all of the panelists uh, before we start taking questions. And again, it doesn't have to be about Baker. We'll, we'll open this thing up if, if you have some burning Browns question or, uh, you know, Doug, Mary Kay, and I were talking about all the uses for a ball yesterday. If you've got a great idea for what you can do with a ball besides bouncing and throwing it, would, would love to hear it. Um, this is the question, though. The end of 2020, what are we saying about Baker Mayfield? We're, we're doing one of these Zoom calls. All of you guys are sitting here listening to us talk about Baker Mayfield. Uh, so what – are we saying we'll start with Mary Kay what are we saying about Baker in January uh, we're saying that he rebounded from his bad 2019 he ended up in the top 10 in ratings he 
had a winning record. He earned a wild card berth Ooh. and won a playoff. All right. Hey, there are, there are, there's that extra wild card this year too. So the Browns have that going for him. Uh, Scott. Uh, we're saying that this offense is a great fit for Baker and that he had a good season, but that holes at linebacker and safety kind of blew it. That's what we're saying. We're saying Baker Mayfield had a good season, but they didn't get the most out of it they could have. Doug? Um, considering uh, uh, should they rename the city Bakerland after his Super Bowl MVP performance? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Listen, I'll say they're saying better still can be more. That like that year three was not the slam dunk that was perfect. Everything was ideal, um, but you could see the progress. And boy, oh boy, might year four and year two with Kevin Stefanski, that we might really see something then. But I'm anticipating year three will be seen more as the next step rather than the definitive answer. Terry, what's what's Terry's talking the Sunday after the season? Terry's, <laughs> Terry's still sitting here in the dark in Akron. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, they'll say one that it started slowly because I anticipate they will. It has nothing to do with who they're playing. I just think that uh, them they're being shut down this time of year to be on the field and all the new stuff they're putting in. It 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 is complicated and it is going to be difficult. But the second half of the year, almost like uh, back in 2018, you go, you know, this guy's got a chance to be pretty good. And so that's. That's my feeling. I think they're going to struggle if they if they get to nine to seven. I'm going to be very pleased on that. I I just think that they're still working through. The parts still aren't going to be as good as the whole. And and uh, I think it was Doug that mentioned too. The following year is when I think you're really going to get a good clue. Or because they'll actually have the same coach, the same coordinator, everything for two years in a row. A shocking development in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Maybe. <laughs> oh lord don't go there Doug. <laughs> no i have no hair left so i can't say that you know i'll just rip out what's left but no we can't you can't keep doing this well i uh, personally I, th- I think we'll be saying that you know no matter what lamar jackson did that the, the browns you know picked their quarterback they, they picked the guy that, that, that fit what they wanted to do but also i think we'll start talking about him now in that same level not Patrick Mahomes, not Russell Wilson, not those guys, but we'll elevate him to that level where, you know, hey, Deshaun Watson is one of those up-and-coming young guys. Now Baker Mayfield belongs in that discussion. You know, we'll, we'll start to put him sort of on that level as a quarterback that, can, that you can win with and that you can lead to the playoffs. Mary Kay? Keep in mind that they have a much easier schedule this year. Oh. Now, I mean, that, that is – you have to qualify that a little bit. Uh, by the fact that Ben Roethlisberger is back and Joe Burrow is now in Cincinnati and there are some other changes like that. But their schedule is so much easier this year than it was last year, and I think that will be a factor. Okay, we've got a couple hand, we've got some hands raised. We have a couple questions in the chat, so let's get to that. And I do, uh, I do see your hand on there too, Steve. But John has been waiting for a little while, so John, I'm gonna, it's going to ask you to unmute. Um, and then once you do that, you should be good to go. Okay, can you hear me? I can. Yeah. Okay, so my biggest question of your film analysis from last year was a lot of times Baker Mayfield, when he got up to actually call the line at the line of scrimmage, there was like only 10 seconds left on the clock. Mm -hmm. He's a read and react type of quarterback. He needs to be able to survey the field, 
the discombobulated coaching staff put him in a really unadvantageous situation. And I don't think we're going to see that this year. I think he's going to be in a, a system that allows him to go through his progressions and you're going to see a market improvement in his performance this year. That's it. I, I think that's an important point uh, because I, I mean, I do know that going back and looking at last year, they thought this offense was slow. <laughs> they, they thought it was just like all of us when we were sitting there watching, they thought the offense was too slow. And I think we're going to see, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get up to the line and snap the ball with 20 seconds on the clock, but it does mean you're going to, there's going to be some changes of pace. There's going to be some changes in tempo and there's going to be – it's going to look crisper pre-snap this year, I, I think, than it did last year. Uh, all right, let's go to uh, – let's go to Steve. i got to find you here, Steve. Uh, give me one second here as I, as I scroll through our list. Uh, I see you down there waving your hand. I found your name. All right, it's going to ask uh, – it's going to ask you to unmute. Once you hit that, you should be good to go. Guys, I really enjoy reading uh, you guys and listening to your podcasts. I'm from Long Island, if you couldn't tell. Uh, um, I'm wondering two things. I've been since 1964 uh, when Frank Lyon hit Gary Collins three times. Those were that was the day. I was really a little kid, but I'm wondering. Baker Mayfield is a pretty cocky guy. He's always had to overcome something to get to the top. Um, could it go back to practices where? Uh, they didn't really practice that well. Uh, the preseason wasn't that good. He didn't have some of his receivers. And he kind of quit on the season. And maybe he, now he is faced with, you know, uh, the over, that he's got to overcome this. I mean, is that a possibility? One other thing I just want to ask you, the fact that there won't be any fans at games, doesn't that kind of make that Baltimore opener a pretty neutral game? Baltimore is a tough place to play. <laughs> That's for sure. If you don't have fans there. That's, that's good for the Browns. Uh, Mary Kay, this is something you've talked about going back to last year, mm-hmm. not having Odell in the spring, and, and then those guys really didn't get to practice much in, in training camp. Yeah, you know what? I, I do think it was a factor. It was absolutely 100% a factor. When we talk about the exception, Baker, me, me, 21 were number in the NFL. 15 of them came to Odell and Jarvis on passes for those guys. And I think that was pressing, force the ball to them. I think some of it was the fact uh, that they could not, uh, they just could, could not get on the same page. And there were times when it looked like all three of those guys were, were off. And so, you know, some of it was the scheme, some of it was a play calling. It was a combination of everything. So I think hopefully for all of them this year, uh, it will be a lot better again you know, I think we do have to temper some of it with the fact that they are not getting to practice together very much. And that could continue. Jarvis Landry might not be ready to go until sometime in September in terms of really ready to go. So, uh, but, you know, just in terms of putting the whole thing together, I think, I think it will be better if they have the time they need in training camp. And I don't think Baker, I don't think you could say he quit on last season. I think that's what, what he'd asked. Um, Remember, there's a guy who called out his teammates at the end of his rookie year, telling mm-hmm. that even though the playoffs weren't a, uh, a reality anymore, he didn't want anybody mailing it in. So I, I don't see that as, as being something that led to his poor play uh, last season. He certainly didn't come off as a guy. You're, you're not that angry <laughs> almost all the time down the stretch from the losing if, if you've mailed it in. 
Uh, Dan in DC, by the way, to our question about what we're saying about Baker at the end of uh, at the end of the season, well, he's definitely better than Kirk Cousins. So Dan is Dan is at least setting that bar. Does anybody have anything to add about the about Steve's question before we move on? No, I'll I, tell I mean you I... one thing: if he's better than Kirk Cousins, that is a real step forward because yes. that means <laughs> he will be a guy that uh, was completing in high high sixties of his passes and not making too many mistakes and running that offense the way it ought to be run. Doug? No, I just, I think part of the, the idea of the question and some people have asked, like, is it good that Baker got humbled, right? That he's a guy who likes to have a chip on his shoulder and we know his story as a walk-on and that kind of thing. But like at Oklahoma, he got to Oklahoma and then he was good, then he was better, then he won the Heisman. So like he, he's been good for a while and um, I think you want Baker Mayfield to be confident. I think if there's any... If anyone's trying to spin a story of like, oh, like he, it's good he got humbled. He won't come in and they won't be talking as much. I think in the end, the Baker Mayfield that's going to succeed in Cleveland is cocky Baker Mayfield. Good. <laughs> Cleveland needs a cocky player. And I think that's how, I think he will get good. I think that's how he'll lead. I think, as we've said before, he'll stand up for Cleveland. He'll stand up for his team. And so, yes, he, he may be, you know, last year was not good. Maybe he, he, he lost a little bit of that, but I hope he gets it back, and I hope he's cocky in Cleveland for the next 15 years. Uh, before we get to one of these raised hands, there was a question in the chat. Uh, what's up with this guy right here, my, my bowling pin? <laughs> uh, you know, it was just in my basement. I think I, I got it a long time ago at, like, a thrift store or something. I don't know, but there we go. It's just, you know, I was digging around my basement looking for a set. Uh, you need to make up a story then. If that, you're gonna have I'm a dog on that. That was that's the story. lamest Doug, don't you think that's the lamest thing said in this entire broadcast? <laughs> that is the pin. That's when you bowled a 299, and that's the one pin that's that didn't right. fall in the last frame. Make it up, dude. Okay. Well, luckily, the, oh, luckily, luckily I am from being robbed. You beat him to death with the bowling pin. Oh, luckily, boy. I have producer authority on this podcast. So somebody <laughs> in the chat asked me what this bowling pin is for, and I bowled a 299 once, and this is the one pin that was left standing. Awesome. Great story. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, let, let's go to Tom. Uh, I'm going to hit the ask to unmute here. So you should be able to unmute on your side and ask your question, Tom. What I would like to ask is if Baker Mayfield is to elevate his play next year, who needs to be the play caller for the season? Hmm. Good, good question. I'll, I'll take that one if you guys don't mind. Um, I think that I really think that Kevin Stefanski would like to have Alex Van Pelt call the plays so he can oversee the whole process and be the CEO coach. I think the Browns would kind of like him to be the CEO coach so that, uh, so that they, so he's not overwhelmed in his first year as a head coach. Um, the plan is to let Alex Van Pelt do it during the preseason games, see if he has a feel for it and see if he's better or if he can be better at it than Kevin Stefanski. If Kevin is better at it, then he should do it. It doesn't matter if he's the head coach. If he's the best guy for the job, he should call the plays. One reason I think he might be the best guy for the job ultimately is because it's Gary Kubiak's offense from last year primarily that they're running, and he called the whole thing last year. So he's done it, and Alex Van Pelt is kind of learning it. Uh, but I think heading into it, they're going to try to have it be Alex. We'll see how it works out ultimately. And, and I thought it was interesting, Doug, at, at the Combine, you know, you asked him about – you asked Kevin Stefanski, does he like play calling? 
and he was kind of like, ah. <laughs> I don't think I don't think he is. I don't want to say he's not passionate about, it, but I don't think it's like something he has to do, where it's like his identity is tied up in. I need to call the plays. I need to be the guy on that headset sending those plays in. Yeah, I mean, this is – it's such a fascinating debate. And the thing you always say is so many coaches start out calling plays, and then once – after a couple of years, a lot of them often give it up, right? So that a lot of times once you, once you believe in yourself and you set what your offense wants to be, then you don't want to have to be doing it all the time. So if Kevin Stefanski can do that, it's your offense, right? It's Kevin Stefanski's offense. He can lay out the game plan during the week. They all talk about it. But Kevin Stefanski says, this is what we're going to do. And then you can let somebody else say, well, here's the name of the play call on second and seven. But we know we talked during the week that we are going to want to do this type of thing in this type of situation. I don't know, Mary Kay, like last year was a mess, right? The first time head coach tried to call plays and it didn't work. Would Kevin Stefanski look at that at all and be like, well, I don't know, maybe I'll give it, you know, I won't try. And again, you can find examples. If you want to make a point, you can find new head coaches who called and it worked, new head coaches who didn't call and it didn't work, whatever. Would he try to learn from Freddie Kitson's mistakes? I don't know. No. It, everything has to be taken on a case-by-case -case basis. And Freddie Kitchens was not uh, – he was in over his head with the play calling. I mean, it, let's just call it what it was. He was in over his head with it. Again, Kevin Stefanski – has evidence that he can do it because he did it all last year. Now, he did it with the help of Gary Kubiak, uh, but nevertheless, he was the one that actually called the plays. There's another way of going about this, the way that Brad Childress and Pat Shermer did it. They kind of collaborated in the headset a little bit. And you don't want too many voices in your headset, but you can have uh, two guys kind of working in concert. And I think that these guys are going to be so on the same page, Alex Van Pelt and Kevin Stefanski, that you know it could work something like that, where you know they can kind of – you know, do it together, sort of co-play calling a little bit. Um, but I think, I really do think that Kevin would like Alex to be good at it and have him handle it. Uh, but again, he, and he doesn't have an ego about this. He is going to have the person do it who is best going to get the job done. And, and I think that's important. And the, oh, the other go on to what uh, Mary Kay said, Dan, uh, I asked, uh, uh, Pat Shermer about that. And he said, just like uh, Doug and Mary Kay were saying, the, during the week they had all the plans out, the initial play call would be made by Childress upstairs. And if Shermer didn't like it, frankly, he'd change it. And I said, well, how many times do you do it? He goes, maybe five times a game, not that much. He said, really, if you're doing this right, you know, if it's third and three, you should have a good idea what you're going to run or, or that kind of stuff. So, uh, my guess is that may be the way they go. And then that also allows him where he isn't watching. Um, I'm sorry, he isn't missing so much of the game like you are when you're just trying to be the quarterback coach and the plays and all this other stuff. So The, the other thing to keep in mind, too, is the team that just won the Super Bowl, Andy Reid is kind of, you know, he, he calls in the plays, but it's Eric Bieniemy that's in the headset. Mm -hmm. Eric Bieniemy communicates with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he handles a lot of the installs. Uh, he does a lot of that. So Andy Reid is, you know, he's got the big card on the sideline, but then Eric Bieniemy is the guy that, you know, when that play comes in, he's the one interacting with Patrick Mahomes and sending down it. So, so there's a million different ways to kind of do this. I mean, I remember Sean McVay, his first year, 
you know, there, you'd see clips on Monday Night Football. He'd be sitting on the sideline while the defense was on the field, and he'd have his like back turned, and he'd be working on his card or working on the the Surface tablet. Uh, a few more questions here. Let's go to uh, Ken. I know you've been waiting for a little while. You should get a prop a prompt here to unmute yourself, and you'll be good to go. Great. Well, thank you again for doing this. You know, I'm down here in Florida, so this is kind of my uh, way of catching up with what's happening and listening to your podcast. So thanks for all you guys do. Um, I'm going to spin it a little bit differently. And I think for Baker to be successful this year, he's got to have good field position. And I'm worried about the defense. I mean, I don't see, you know, we've talked about linebackers a lot. So, you know, what's going on there? And do you think that the the new defensive coordinator, you know, can uh, make this work? Uh, I don't know where we ranked last year with uh, turnovers, but it didn't seem like it was that good. You know, can we get some more turnovers, get some better field position so the Bakers not, you know, have to do 90-yard drives every time? Scott, I feel well, like this is a point you've made. Yeah, I think this year the, the defense is kind of like the la- last year's offense was. We're not really sure how it's all going to shake out. You have a, a coordinator who's worked in a different scheme. You know, when he came here, uh, people wondered, is he, are we going to change uh, the Browns to a 3-4? Well, no, he said we're going to, you know, build around the players we have. So uh, we're not really sure what we're going to see yet. That's the kind of thing that I think we would get from OTAs and off-season workouts that we didn't get to see this year, you know. We learned all about Jermaine Whitehead last year and how important he was and, and, and two linebackers on the field and extra safeties, and we got to see that. And we don't have the advantage of that this year. Um, so it remains to be seen. I think, you know, you, he has a pass rush, and that's what, that's what Joe Woods had in, uh, in Denver that worked very well for him. Obviously, being on the staff in San Francisco last year, everything started up front. So you have that foundation up front to work back from. He has all his experience, most of his experience coaching defensive backs. Um, has worked with some great ones, so you hope that experience helps out. But how they're going to look on the field? That's that's one of the big mysteries of the offseason, I think. Okay. You know, he, um, you asked, Ken, about the takeaways, and that is huge. That is obviously so important. Not only do they need field position from the takeaways that they will get more of this year, uh, but they also need, him for, need them in the return game, and I, I think that will be better too. But in terms of the takeaways, they were tied for 19th in the NFL with only 20 takeaways. Part of the reason for that was the fact that they did not have Miles Garrett or Olivier Vernon for the second half of the season. So that pressure that you're going to get to force the quarterback into those mistakes where they're throwing interceptions and things like that, or those guys are causing fumbles, that stuff didn't happen without Miles and Olivier Vernon. This year, if those guys can stay healthy and on the field, they should have way more pressure and therefore I think it'll translate into more turnovers. I think also Joe Woods really emphasizes taking it away. It was one of the things that we talked to him about right away at his press conference, his introductory press conference. He is really, really big on that. And you could see, even in that San Francisco game, uh, how those guys just attack that ball. I mean, they are just going for the football. And and you're going to see a lot more of that. And there are guys on this team, uh, they only, I think, recovered six fumbles last year. Scott, you probably know, you're our stats guy. I, I, right? Is that correct? I think they recovered six fumbles, the Browns, last Maybe, year. Maybe, yeah. It's something along those lines. I mean, that's just not enough. So I really do believe that that number will increase, and definitely that will help Baker Mayfield. 
And you also had a rookie linebacker kind of thrown into the fire last year, which certainly didn't help. Uh, and Mac Wilson, um, you know, linebacker play overall just really fell off last year from the year before. Okay, we're going to go to uh, Sean's iPad. Okay. Hey, assuming Baker has a good year, what is going to be the biggest factor? Is it is it going to be Nick Chubb runs for 2,000 yards? Is it the new offensive tackles? He's got a, one of the best tight ends this year. Or maybe it's o Beckham and Landry are healthy. You know, who, who's going to be the catalyst to, uh, to allow Baker to have a great year? Doug? I mean, it's all of it, right, obviously. I mean, it's a great question because you could point to any of those answers. I really just think if Wills and Conklin just give him faith, I think there's two things at play. One is actual protection, and one is the belief that you will be protected. And again, I think there were times last year where even in pockets that were okay, as Dan kind of pointed out, he just did some weird stuff sometimes. And I think it's because he just he didn't he didn't think that he was protected. And I think if he's comfortable, and then that leads to things happening on time, hitting guys in stride. But I think to me, a lot of it starts with him being comfortable in the pocket. And I think the play calling is certainly part of that. And what Mary Kay has talked about with everything being discombobulated. But I think if you believe in your tackles, that they're going to keep you upright, a lot comes out of that. So I'd start with them. Yeah, we did a whole podcast about this uh, last week, right? We kind of did a fantasy draft on the, yep. on the, the, the people who, were, who would be most tied to his success. And I can't remember what – I know Mary Kay picked Odell. I picked Kevin Stefanski. I thought that was the most obvious choice. I think he would have the biggest, uh, the biggest impact. But, yeah, you can choose a lot of people. Uh, but I, I would put Stefanski at the top of that list. I don't remember who Dan picked. Who did Dan pick? I picked uh, Alex Van Pelt. There we go. But, of course yeah. – as Doug can attest, uh, we did a schedule draft too, and I really, uh, <laughs> I really messed up my second round pick. It still, uh, it still haunts me a little bit. I, you know, truthfully, I think it's going to be a little bit of all of those things that you mentioned, like Doug said. I mean, there are so many things that have changed since last year for the better for Baker Mayfield that he almost can't fail this year. He is so set up for success, it's not even funny. And Scott, you make a great point. It all starts with Kevin Stefanski and that scheme. And, uh, you know, you're right. I probably should have picked that. But as I, as I mentioned in our podcast, I kind of go for the uh, flashy pick. And so I went for Odell because that just fits my personality. But, um, you know, I think it's going to be Odell and Jarvis coming off of their surgeries. I think it's going to be the two tight end scheme with Austin Hooper and maybe David and Harrison Bryant and uh, the two new tackles and Alex Van Pelt probably calling the plays and Nick Chubb running like crazy and Kareem Hunt being used even more more so than he was last year in so many different ways. So I think it's an end, a better defense and a better return game. He's got so many things going for him this year. 12 and four. Right, Doug? <laughs> Are we doing that again? So that's 13, one. Three, 12 yeah. and four. So that you're, you're lowering your expectations then, Scott, from last yeah, year. Yeah, I'm going to come back down to earth and say 12 and 4. <laughs> by, the, by the way, I caught that little sneaky 2,000-yard uh, prediction in there, Sean. I, uh, we, we caught that. That's recorded now. That's, uh, that's going to be out there for everybody to hear. Hey, Dan, 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 I'm very disappointed in you. Uh-oh. You Why? are Kareem Hunt's Kareem agent. Hunt and I would have thought you would have immediately said, Kareem Hunt will be the difference. <laughs> I've been hearing about 
dream hunt for you ever since we've come onto these things. Where were you with that today? Uh, you know what? At, at some point, I just have to let I have to let the player I represent do his talking on the field. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, he is. Play. I mean, the thing is, we do. I, I, you know, I hate to admit you're right, but we do underestimate how good that guy is because of the ways he that he will be used because they'll put him as a slot receiver, I think, because they really don't have much in, in that area. And my goodness, we saw what he looked like in Kansas City when they let him loose. And, and the way he was willing to even block for Chubb, like, that's fascinating to me. Sounds like sounds like you got my newsletter, my Kareem Hunt newsletter, Terry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, real quick, just for the heck of it, because we had the Nick Chubb prediction, I do think the one guy for sure that is going to have a big year in this offense is Nick Chubb. Uh, should have won the rushing title a year ago. It didn't happen. Uh, so before we go, um, let's set an over-under here for Nick Chubb. Let's say, you know, I can't remember off the top of my head what he ran for. Let's, let's say 1,200. That's fair, right? Let's, let's go around real quick. Do, do we think over, under? I'm going to say over. I think he's going to have a big year, too. 1,200 yards? I'm with under because I think they're going to use – go ahead, Scott. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say I just want that I'm, – I'm going over on that. Okay. Yeah. Mary Kay? I do think that they're going to use Nick, uh, Kareem Hunt a lot more this year, and they're going to have to find ways to get the ball in his hands. And so he's gonna, going to have to take some carries away from Nick Chubb. But I'm still going to go with the over on that. Doug? 1494 last year. Okay. Um, then I said it way too low. I do think it's one of those. I, I don't know with everybody, what everyone's saying about Kareem Hunt, like is more yards from Nick Chubb. Does that mean it's better for the Browns or like if you can split the load a little bit and Nick Chubb only runs only for 1100 yards, but Kareem Hunt runs for 800 and like, they get to the end of the year and they both feel pretty fresh and healthy. I, I think, you know, maybe winning the rushing title is not the best thing for the Browns because you have two backs like this. So even though you think 1200 is low, I might take the under. Okay. There's, a couple, there's, there's an over in the chat, Terry. I'm going to go with the under just because I've now represented Kareem Hunt along with you. <laughs> so we're going to make sure he gets, again, his, his, um, if you look at Stefanski's offense and that, if they have those kind of running backs, he does want to share the ball around. I mean, he just doesn't want to be. As he said, he wants all the plays to look the same, but then to be unpredictable and where the ball goes. And so I, I'm, I'm curious to see if uh, they do that. And one thing about Chubb, we know, he's not going to get all worked up if he only has 1,157 yards and the Browns go 10 and 6. Yeah. That's true. I, th I think these are two guys that aren't going to be, uh, you know, at each other's necks for the football here. I, I think they're, they're willing to share that load a little bit. Okay, there you have it. All three parts of our Zoom call that we held with our football insider subscribers earlier this week. If you missed any of them, go back. We started running them on Wednesday. Uh, just check out that podcast feed and you can hear all three parts all in order. So my thanks to Mary Kay, Doug, Terry, and Scott. Uh, for jumping on and thanks of course to our football insider subscribers for taking part if you want to get involved again check out cleveland.com slash browns there's info there or just text 216-208-3965 to get started on that 14-day free trial and see if football insider is right for you that'll do it for this week's pods i'm dan lobby thanks for listening